0: This podcast is produced by Visionary Studios. Hey everyone, I'm Mitchell Rail, And I'm Wade Clausen. Welcome back to Let's Unpack That. Today we are joined by Trey Barker. Trey, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Give us, give us the backstory. Sure. Um, I am uh, 33, I'll be 34 this year. Um,
1: so I, I grew up in West Virginia uh, in a little small town on the Ohio River of about 4,000 people. Very, very Trumpy. Um, moved to Wisconsin in 2019, so right before COVID with my ex. And uh, so I when I moved here, I didn't have a job. Um moved here. I waited for like three months before I got hired someplace. So I was very, very poor. Um, so moving here in the summertime, you know, obviously Milwaukee is like festival season. There's all kinds of fun stuff to do. So I got here and I was inside the entire time and then COVID happens. So COVID happens. I spent my entire first year and a half in Milwaukee, just inside a house. Um, so since then, um, I have, plan roots a little bit deeper here. I bought a house. Um, I work in a bank. So I've been doing that for about 10 years. But aside from that, I did drag for the past 12 years. And I recently kind of went into a full blown retirement. Um, she's made a couple of appearances since then. But that's my uh, so my Twitter handle is my drag name. Um, and she's been pretty active on there for I don't know, the last year and a half or so. And, yeah, so she still comes up to play every once in a while.
0: Okay. Okay, I love. So let's, like, slowly go through all of that. Sure. So let's start with West Virginia. Okay, yeah. Tell us a little bit about what it is like growing up and living and coming into yourself as a gay individual in such a more conservative Republican area of the country.
1: Absolutely. And it was uh, kind of to... to preface with that too, is I was really involved in church growing up. So my uh, my parents would raise me Episcopalian, which is like diet Catholic, right? Um, but my grandparents were Baptists. So as I got older, my grandmother started taking me to a Baptist church and I got really, really involved to the point where I came back from church camp one summer when I was a sophomore in high school. And I said, I stood up in front of the entire congregation at church. And I said, I feel called to go into youth ministry as a youth pastor. So from that point on, my church started grooming me to be a... Not grooming, like they oh. like to call us, but uh, <laughs> they started grooming me to be a preacher. Um, I was giving sermons. I kind of see it. I felt a certain way about, um, this relationship that I thought I'd established with, you know, this God that I believed in. And mm-hmm. I really kind of ran with it. And I, I realized when I got to college that things were not going to work out the way I had anticipated. So to that, I'd actually didn't come out until I was 22. Okay. Um, so I was 22 when I first started the process and it was slow too. So I was telling like a few friends here and there. I waited until I think 20, 2009, I moved to Pittsburgh. And when I came back from Christmas, I told my mom and then I waited another months months to tell my dad and then it was just full-blown rainbow flags everywhere out of the closet (laughs) after that so So when
0: you were prior to coming out when you Mm -hmm. were in like the church and being prepared to go on to being in that position were you doing things with guys at all or was it pretty 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 closed up still. Nothing
1: crazy. I didn't have sex until I was 21. I think that was the first time I had sex with a guy. I have had sex with two girls, but only twice. And I didn't get off either time. So, it was, <laughs> so. You,
0: was that just like a one stand time thing with girls? Or was it like you were dating them?
1: I did date them, um, all the way up until I was probably 23. So even after I came out I tried to go back to it. Cause I was like, I just had this internal struggle of like, who am I? What, okay. I, you know, am I gay or am I, you know, bi or whatever it is. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'm very, very gay.
0: Did you initially, so, when you came out, were you, did you come out as gay or was it just that you were interested in guys? I came out as gay. Okay. Yeah.
1: It was, and then I kind of reverted a little bit and okay. then went back to it. It just wasn't going to work. So,
0: Do you feel like your past experience like growing up in West Virginia kind of impacted that that whiplash you experienced? Like, did you feel like you couldn't fully embrace it?
1: For sure. Growing up in the church, um, growing up in a really conservative area, I, my experience was a little more unique because my uncle was in state politics there. So my mother's sister's husband um, okay. who was a very active part of my childhood. He was a uh, House of Delegate member for the state of West Virginia and moved on to the state Senate and he retired as the chief of staff to the governor. So very, very heavily involved in politics. Mm-hmm. And he was also a pastor. So my parents had this constant influence of him in our lives. And then, directly impacted me. Um, so I think when, when, I, when I first came out to my mom, the first thing she did was she started crying. She's like, I'm just so afraid you're going to get AIDS and die. And But that was her experience mm-hmm. with gay culture. She you know, went to college in the early 80s, so she saw the AIDS epidemic and how that happened. She was so fearful for her child. Um, since then, she's obviously come full circle. I didn't really give her much of a choice. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I think it really made an impact on my ability to... Become more comfortable with myself, and even to this day, I'm I'm still learning more and growing more. You know, all the time. So, going back to the church, Mm -hmm. was there ever like, I mean, it's an obvious question, but was there ever
0: like a no, you can't be gay?
1: Yeah, I was given a book my senior year of high school that was uh, titled "How to Pray the Gay Away." So no lie. Um, my uh, Wait,
0: senior year of high school, my
1: senior year, of so high school, you weren't even out or anything. I was not out, but I knew people suspected, you know, yeah. I've always been a little flamboyant. Um, yeah. But also, you know, for me, I, I've worked in this industry in banking where, you know, I've, maintain a really professional image all the time. So I'm. Yeah. I, some would say that I, you know, I can pass, um, which I hate saying that, mm. but it was kind of a, a protective mode for me okay. growing up. So I really learned how to you know, dial down the gay a lot. And mm. as I've gotten older, I'm just like, I don't give a shit. So <laughs> <laughs> as you should. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And everybody should. And I think it's important to live that type of life um, because it inspires kids that we don't even see. Like yeah. I think back to my childhood, it's like, you're afraid to to be who you are. And it's like, you don't have those influences around you. It's going to keep you in that place so much longer.
0: Mm So So you come out. Mm -hmm. So what comes after between then and starting to do drag? A lot of sex. (laughs) A lot of sex.
1: Um, I would be lying if I said I knew how many people I slept with in my early 20s. Um, I lost track probably at 25. So... 25 years old. Like, the number is just way up there, but a lot of sex trying to figure out, you know, what is it? Like, I think, so I've always been the type of person that I've always wanted this close connection with another human. I've Mm -hmm. always thought of like, you know, a really successful relationship. That's what's going to make me happy. So I spent a lot of that after coming out trying to find that. Um, and in the, in during the course of that process, I, um, Wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't, you know, allowing myself to grow more and more. So I uh, I got into drag early though. Um, it was God, I was twenty four in drag the first time. And uh, but yeah, in between that, it was a lot of experimentation, trying to figure out, you know, what is acceptable as a gay person, what's not. You know, Mm -hmm. it was a whole new world for me. Yeah. Um, I lived in a very straight culture uh, prior to that. So uh, moving to Pittsburgh from West Virginia, I was there for about a year um, to go to art school. And moving there was really where things started to change. And I started becoming more comfortable and experimenting. And that's that's when drag occurred.
0: So what initially inspired you to get into it?
1: I had friends. Um, so they, I'd moved to Pittsburgh, came back for the holiday season. And my two of my best friends um, that I'd lived in the same building with, they were drag queens. Mm-hmm. So they uh, I begged them for months and months to put me in drag. And they hadn't done it. And so I moved back, or I came back for the holidays. And they were like, okay, we're going to do it. Um, and this was actually so 2009, um, they introduced me to RuPaul's Drag Race. So I get to kind of experience it from season one on. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really just kind of piqued my interest. And I was an artist. And you know, yeah. I just I wanted to see what it was like. And I've always liked costumes and Halloween. And it uh, and my first time out in drag was Halloween. Um, they made me paint my face. I spent three hours doing my makeup. And then I put a Catwoman mask over everything. So you couldn't see any of the work that I'd spent four hours doing. So <laughs> <it> was, uh, <laughs> I was, uh, you couldn't tell me that I was was not hot though. I was like, I was living my fantasy. And from that point on sort of buying pieces here and there, more makeup. And then I would, you know, do a little bit of, I was a bedroom queen for a while, I think. Uh, and then eventually I got the nerve to go out and perform and, uh, that was, that was it. Was that the first time you touched makeup? Yeah, it was actually. Um, it was when they put me in makeup, and then I started learning more about it, and then I figured out, I was like, I really like this, and I can do so many different things with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and makeup, I just developed this affinity for it um, over the course of the next few years, and I, just, I still love it. I, I don't play with it nearly as much as I used to, but I, I do love it.
0: How does the your drag persona or character, whatever you want to say, of, of Gemma, that's your... Gemma Stone, correct? Yeah, correct. How does that character develop? Does that just like come to be naturally, or was it a process of discovering her, or what was that like? Definitely a process.
1: Um, Gemma, when she first started out, I had this idea that I wanted to be a sexy housewife, um, because I was married at the time, Uh, so I was like, this makes sense, but uh, you know, I was only 26 years old when I was on a house cast, so I was like, this is who she's going to be. She's going to be this like prim and proper housewife, and then lo and behold, I was like performing like pussycat dolls or whatever so it was like it didn't make a whole lot of sense so over the course of the next couple years and when I moved to Milwaukee that's when she really kind of came full circle Um, Gemma's stupid I mean she is just she doesn't care what people think about her Um, she is you tell her to do something no matter what it is she's probably going to do it so just watch out what you ask her to do Um, I I just really enjoy uh, making fun of myself Um, and I think Gemma has brought that out in me more Um, and it makes you it makes you more comfortable um, around different groups of people and it allows you to kind of share your own experiences um, by taking that persona on and just doing whatever the fuck you want to do you know like,
0: <laughs> for those on the outside who maybe aren't even a part of the gay community mm-hmm. and don't really understand drag they, sure. see, they see stuff in the headlines and they're like oh drag queens must be bad do you just want to like shed light a little bit on what the community was like for you? And what how, how would you kind of describe it to those on the outside?
1: Sure. You know, I came up in West Virginia drag. So, you know, it's very, very different. It's very pageant drag. Um, I had And to that effect, I I don't have a drag mother, right? So I do have one particular person who played a huge influence on my drag um, experience. And she is a trans woman. So one of the very first trans people I ever met and developed a relationship with. That piece there is what really made me more passionate about doing drag because I realized that we're all in this community and we're all totally different from one another. And gay men more often than not take the, uh, they take the spotlight from a lot of people. So I was seeing that I could incorporate my myself as a cisgendered man into this community and and really just learn a lot from them. Um, And, you know, so I got a really unique experience that I think a lot of people that started drag where I did didn't. Um, so there it was like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure out who my drag persona is and you know what she's going to stand for and you know what her fashion sense is going to be and what kind of numbers she likes to perform. And it, it was harder there because it's so dialed back. Um, so when I moved here, it was like I can do whatever I want um, and people are they're going to live for it. So, and I started performing at dicks when I moved to Milwaukee. So that was kind of where I fell into and, the Queens there were weird, you know, they would do whatever they wanted to. And then I got to know more, uh, Wisconsin Queens, some Chicago Queens. And I saw that Midwest drag is like, it's so totally different and you can get away with so much more here. So that was a, yeah, it was a really unique um, transition from what I'd been used to doing to come in here. So what's the difference between, West Virginia drag in the Midwest. Um, I think that there's just a lot more flexibility with what you can do because we have so, one. We have more people here. You know, Milwaukee alone is roughly the same size as the entire state of West Virginia. So <laughs> you have a little bit more that. culture. Um, so I think you just have a more well-rounded group of people that are. Um, that are interested in seeing different things right Mm -hmm. so it's uh that was the fun part for me is that i could you know appeal to a much wider audience than what i could have before
0: what was that initial transition like in kind of that those first few no months or so in the milwaukee scene what was it like (laughs) like to navigate as a new queen you had experience previously in, in west virginia but you were entering a new community
1: so like really really cool. I I kind of established a little bit of a following on Instagram um and through social media as Gemma and um I met some uh drag bloggers that were uh, ran a drag blog they actually live in West Virginia but they were had a huge following and they I'm um, uh, something like 150,000 followers at the time so I was like this drag bloggers like were reposting me a lot and then one day at the bar they came up to me and were were like hey we own this uh the drag queendom is who they are and I was like oh my god I thought you guys were like in LA or New York or something they're like no we live in like 30 minutes away. Um, but they had actually, I developed a relationship with them and they connected me with a drag blogger in Milwaukee, um, when I moved here. So I met somebody as soon as I got here, she introduced me to some local Queens, some show directors. So it was a really easy, like transition to get a booking. But my first booking was with, I don't know if you were here for it, but you all remember T-Rex, right? No, but you don't remember T Right? Well she was a Chicago drag host. Um she's no longer around. So there was a lot of stuff that happened with that. But um they put me into a show for her that I did a uh a tip spots and that was my very first gig in Milwaukee. And okay. my costume broke right in the middle of my number. Um and she never wanted to book me again. So <laughs> <that> was, <laughs> it was so embarrassing. But um I just continued to push forward and I did some really weird numbers that got some attention and then and, uh I, just kept going with it. So, do
0: you say that like the the scene when you're in these shows is mm-hmm. it kind of the expectation for you to be perfect? Like, if if there's mess ups, is there like a, a no no against that, or is it? I think that's depend- all
1: drag. Yeah. Um, but it really the the performance piece is um, you know we know the golden rule of drag is know your words, right? Yeah. So like that's always like on the top of my mind is like I'm not gonna go do something unless I know my lip sync. Um, there is the expectation, especially from the audience, I think that. Um, they want to see, you know, they want to make it, see it look effortless, right? It's not, it takes a lot of work and I'm not a dancer, so I have to get more creative and I have to work a little harder than some people do with Mm it. Um, so yeah, there's, I think there's the expectation from your audience, um, from fellow entertainers, um. A lot of times from the show directors and the bar owners, um, they hold you to a certain standard. So for me, it was always, I wanted to make sure that I was putting my best foot forward and whatever I was presenting was going to be quality and you know, it was going to come across well, The way I, the way I saw it anyways.
0: How did you handle those, those standards or maybe setbacks mm-hmm. or maybe negative feedback you may have gotten initially? Like, what did you, how did you process that?
1: Negative feedback, like I, for me, it's like, I always want to learn and grow yeah. and get better. Um, so I would take, and a lot of times I think people are afraid, especially if you look good in drag, they're afraid to tell you, you know, well, maybe work on this and, yeah. you know change this up. They're afraid to, to insert that opinion there. But for me, I'm like, tell me, please let me know what can I do to be better. And, you know, to, to be a more well-rounded entertainer. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, I saw more often than not people, um, evading, telling you what they thought than actually telling you the truth. Cause your friends are always gonna, you know, live for you and drag no matter what. Um, they're never going to tell you what, they actually think they don't want to hurt your feelings behind the scenes in the drag community it's you got a lot of people that are working in very close quarters and there can be some drama that pops up every once in a while but i mean really it's it's a true sisterhood i think if you find yourself in a place where you've got you know these other entertainers that you're working with that you're doing the exact same thing you you all learn this sort of way of working together that um creates this environment that can be really really good um it can be very negative at times too, um, because you've got, um, like I said, the politics in, is in drag as well. Um, you've got blatant racism, you know, <laughs> in that community as well. Um, you've got the idea that trans women. Um, some people think they shouldn't be drag queens. Some, some trans people think that they shouldn't do drag. It's, it's just like it is anywhere else. Um, and I think people don't see that aspect of it. Um, but it truly is like one of the most diverse communities I think that we, we have in, in the LGBTQ community. Um, and it's, it has holds such a special place in my heart because I did it for so long and you know what I learned from it and what I learned about myself. Um, it, it's, it's truly unlike any other thing that you'll you'll ever find yourself in.
0: How oh, have you provided a space for those, like, diverse communities to thrive in drag? Like, I mean, did you ever, have, did you ever, were you ever like, hosting a show and being able to put together a diverse cast? Is that kind of what you would do? I did.
1: So my, my whole goal, like, when I started drag, the very first time I started, I wanted to host a show. I wanted to have a show that was all mine, that I did, that I produced, everything. Um, so I finally got the opportunity this past spring, uh, you know, a year after I'd kind of taken this hiatus, um, I had a local uh, distillery approach me um, about doing a drag brunch there and I spent about three months putting the show together. I had a great cast, um, three of the three of the entertainers from Milwaukee that first gave me my opportunities here, um, and I tried to make sure that I was involving um, everyone that was, um, one, and giving me an opportunity, and two, that was diverse um, in, in a cast lineup, right? Um, I was very, very um, fortunate to find myself in a community of, uh, you know, diversity that I didn't have in West Virginia. Cause you know, West Virginia is 98% white. Right. Yeah. Um, so being able to come here and seeing, you know, entertainers from different walks of life that have different lived experiences than I do. That was what made me, feel more passionate about what I was producing. And so doing the show, putting that together, um, I was able to do that and I was able to invite people in that um, I felt deserved that spotlights and, and needed to be there. And the show turned out incredibly well. Amazing. Um, it was so good. Um, we had some sound system issues, but um, you know, for a first time gig at this place, it was, yeah. it was not meant to be a drag venue, but we turned it into that.
0: Amazing. Yeah, it was really I cool. Love that. I so, love that. so you said that that was after retirement. Mm-hmm. So you're here for like a year or so, right? Mm-hmm doing drag what kind of causes or leads to your decision to retire
1: at the time so i was it was about a year and a half it was all through COVID. i was doing the virtual shows i was performing regularly before that and a little bit after okay. um so COVID happened and my ex and i we were living in milwaukee together um he had gotten laid off work and we were home together a lot and then during that course of those few months that he was laid off i started realizing that i'm like this isn't the same as it used to be when we lived in West Virginia and we were surrounded by our close friends and family and, um, we were arguing a lot and I was realizing like, I'm not happy. And during the course of me figuring that out, I ended my relationship. Um, I, we obviously moved out from one another. Um, and at that time I was like, I was sleeping on friends' couches. I was trying to figure out, you know, what's my next move. I I was buying a house. And so a lot of stuff was happening. Right. So I decided that I was going to you know, put drag aside for a little bit. And then a year passed and I was like, well, this is kind of nice. I don't have to shave my face every single weekend. Like (laughs) I don't have ingrown hairs. Um, I don't have to work on the costuming and, uh, it just kind of stuck. And I realized separating from my ex, I had a lot of soul searching to do and figuring out who, who Trey is. Um, so that was, that was the big part piece of it. You know, living for Trey versus Gemma because Gemma had been such a primary part of my life for so many years at that point. Um, and when I do drag, you know, I'm a costumer, I do hair, I do, I try to make everything that I'm putting out there. Um, so it took a lot of extra time and me being selfish now. Um, I'm glad that I took that time and, you know, put her aside for a little bit.
0: Would you ever consider like going back into it?
1: Yeah. So for me, um, now, especially now that I've retired, um, when I produce something moving forward, I want it to be my best work. So yeah. for me to do that, it's going to take some time um, to put together. If it's a show, it's going to take a couple months for me to do that. Cause I want it to be not just a bar show. I don't want it to just be like some little, you know, gig. Um, so yeah, Jim will probably make an appearance. You know, there's, there's some talk that she's going to make a pop up at Halloween. So we'll see. Oh, okay, um, we'll see. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's not on my like radar right now, but okay. it, I still think about it all the time, and I can go back to it so easily.
0: So, is that people that are reaching out to you asking for gigs, or how's how does I
1: get? I still get asked um, yeah. if I'm taking any gigs. Um, you know, do you want to perform? And I'm always like, mm,
0: I'll
1: think about it, and then I just never get back to them. <laughs> so you just don't want to share. Well, what, what
0: makes the Halloween opportunity stick out?
1: Um, it's my birthday, so okay. it's like yeah, and oh. it'll be my like my first birthday that I'm you know um, kind of in this newfound era of my life. So, yeah, Yeah. it's, and, you know, I I think Gemma made an appearance in the spring and then she, you know, maybe twice a year. I think it's a good good thing. And then I can produce something really, really cool um, and make it special.
0: So So. do you prefer more of those unique shows rather than a bar show? Oh, for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was a theater kid all through high school. Um, so that background was, you know, has really stayed with me. Um, so anything I can do to take it a little bit extra and make it more than just a a number, uh, I want to do that. So it's, uh, my brunch show I did, I actually had a, um, I, I can be funny. I think I am a funny person, but not, I'm not a comedian. So I reached out to a a Chicago comedian. She wrote like a bunch of like scripting for one liners and I put a script together for the show. So that was, those are the types of, things I like to do. Audience involvement is so important in a drag show and people don't really get that. But if you can get your audience involved, it's going to, one, it's going to make it memorable for them. They're going to come back. You're going to make more money at the end of the day. And whatever venue you're working out of is also Mm going to make money. So it's kind of this full circle effect. You want to make sure that you are kind of giving to all different areas of what you're performing in. And yeah, so.
0: So would you prefer just have like a one-off, one-off show or would you like, if there was like an opportunity for like you to have a show that you hosted that was like repetitive or like scheduled on a recurring basis?
1: Yeah, so the distillery I worked with, we've we've talked more about doing more. It's just, I'm not ready yet. Yeah. And it's, uh, I'm being selfish. So, but <laughs> well, maybe, maybe though. one of these days. That's so. good though
0: to put yourself first. Cause obviously yeah, sure. I can imagine there's a lot of time and effort it is. and energy into doing it right.
1: Absolutely. And I, you know, I work a full-time job. I work yeah. a part-time job. I'm you know, have a relationship and two dogs and a house. So it's, it's uh, it's like the
0: drag thing is like, yeah. you love doing it, but like, you can do. do it, you know, when it, when it works, which Absolutely. is understandable. Absolutely. So what is this
1: so, you know, I, I mean, God, I, I went through a divorce, right? Um, I've tried to kind of take myself out of all the stuff that's going on, right? Um, and really just sit back and figure out what is it I want? One, um, what is going to make me happy at the end of the day? Um, and I think the biggest piece of that is, you know, me being comfortable with who I am and me understanding that Trey is just as important as anything else going on in my life. So a lot of selfishness is the main feature of that era, but you know, it, Again, I'm, I'm traveling. I'm doing something every single week, and I'm very, very busy. So I like to stay on my feet. I'm not a homebody. Um, so yeah, yeah. I'm de- literally anything that presents itself to me, I'm willing to jump on at this point. I just want to try everything, yeah. you know. I, I want to um, experience things um, from a new perspective, and so yeah, it's. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I to answer that question, it's kind of loaded because. I don't know what I want exactly. And I just know that I'm having fun right now and that's all that matters. So. Yeah. As long as
0: you're living your best life, yeah. like I feel like you are thriving. Like you're having, I, I feel like it. Yeah. It's like the new, a new era for you. It at absolutely moment. Is. Yeah. Um, I guess to kind of close here, if you were to give advice to somebody who is living in West Virginia mm-hmm. or a smaller community like that, where they don't have the people in their community that they need to really fully come into themselves or have that support system, mm-hmm. um, what would you say to them?
1: Hang in there. You know, it's uh there's not always an answer you can give to somebody that's in that situation where it makes life easier for them mm-hmm. right out the gate. Um, because you know, you think about it, especially in a in an impoverished area, you've got people that don't have access to public transportation, they live in, you know, areas that might be really far away from other big groups of people. So <laughs> hang in there is the number one piece of advice, you know. Um, and until you can find a way to get away from that situation, um, that's, I mean, that's the only thing you can do. Reach out to people, you know, I, there's still people that love you. I mean, you have friends, I, I think really don't be afraid to confide in those people that are closest with you. Um, not everybody always going to handle what it is you're going to tell them, um, the best, but, um, it won't hurt to try, you know? Um, and I think that it's hard because it, that's such a, a personal piece of my life is that I grew up in this area. I was very lucky. My parents are great. So I have great siblings. Um, mm-hmm. No one gave me any grief when I came out. It's not like that for everybody. Um, so uh, you know, I. It's hard to answer that because. <laughs>
0: I, yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, you know, I think it's. I think it's like. Just important, at least, to for people to know that they aren't alone. They aren't alone. No, feels I think a lot, even people hearing your story too, and knowing that like you started there and look what you are now, like right. thriving. So yeah. it gets better. It does. <laughs> it's like, it, a it, yeah, saying, it, it does, does get it better. Does. Yeah. with yeah. time, with time, it does come. You just have to stick it through and know it'll all work out.
1: As soon as you get your opportunity to leave,
0: leave, leave. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> work okay. your ass off for it. Like yeah. whatever
1: you gotta do to get out of that situation, do it.
0: Well, thanks so much, Trey, yeah. for joining us today. Thank Do you, you want to give everyone your socials? Okay, yeah, you can your... find me on
1: Twitter at uh, Gemma Stone with a J. Um, and then, yeah, that's, uh, she's on Instagram, too. Um, okay, she's okay. on Instagram, so, okay. yeah. Trey stays a little more private. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: everyone can uh, can keep their eyes out, hopefully, for that Halloween moment. Of course, absolutely. Halloween moment. Well, thank you so much, Trey, again. You guys can follow us on Instagram at T H T and on TikTok at UnpackThatPod. Thank you, Wade. Thanks again, Trey. See you guys next Thursday. Bye, everyone.